Hello everybody and welcome back to the JDA Football Podcast. Now this past week saw Tottenham crash out of the Champions League in stunning fashion, losing to Dinamo Zagreb in the second leg 3-0 with an Orisic hat-trick. Zlatan, Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, is coming out of retirement after five years to rejoin the Sweden squad for the Euros in the summer. City, Chelsea, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich all made it through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League. General news, which includes Gareth Southgate announcing his World Cup qualifiers squad with no Trent Alexander-Arnold. We will discuss whether it is the right choice to leave him out. All of that and much more on this episode. Now, I was looking back at I was looking back at a couple of the episodes, um, and it's been one year since we were last in, like all in each other well not all that sounds so wrong right no it was like it was the last year since we were all together in that room and i was wearing this exact top which is the england training top absolute madness and then on that on that day on that day um arteta and callum hudson odoi both passed both tested positive for covid19 absolute madness um it doesn't seem like a year does it (laughs) It's passed by surprisingly quickly. Yeah, especially the football as well. It's been relentless lately. But Yeah, it's been mad. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem two seconds since we were last there. And then, of course, we were year 11, weren't we? So it was the last day today, last year, because it was the Friday, even though it was the 20th on the Friday and it's the 19th now. But you know what I mean? The dates move every year. Um, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> Now, let's go on to the football. Starting off with Champions League action, where Real Madrid took on Atalanta. Uh, it was 4-1 on aggregate in the end. Um, Real Madrid won 3-1 in the end. Benzema having a great game. Ramos and Asensio getting the goals, and Luis Muriel getting the goal for Atalanta. Uh, Atalanta might be disappointed because it's not a full strength, as we know, Real Madrid side. Uh, but yeah, Real did go through in the end. The next game was Manchester City versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. Ended up 2-0 in the end, Alex, didn't it? Yeah, I think it was pretty much the same as the, the first game. City dominated most of the game. Um, Mönchengladbach had a few chances, not nothing to, to shout home about, but City definitely de- deserved to go through. But um, obviously the draw was today. I don't know whether they'll be happy about that, but yeah, a good result for them. Yeah, we will come on to the draw in a couple of minutes. Um, City scored twice in the opening 18 minutes via Gundogan and Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, Munch and Gladbach came into the game knowing that they probably wouldn't get the win and in the end uh, they didn't. The next game was Bayern Munich versus Lazio. Ended up 2-1 in the end. A bit more of a scrappy game compared to the first game uh, in Lazio. Uh, Lewandowski got the first goal, then... Eric Chupo-Moting got the second goal and then Parolo got the goal for Lazio. Uh, but yeah, it was 6-2 on aggregate to Bayern Munich in the end as they go through to the quarterfinals. The next game was Chelsea versus Atletico Madrid. Chelsea winning this one 2-0 comfortably, Alex. Yeah, uh, I was surprised at how comfortably uh, they had it. I think Atletico Madrid tried to attack them in the first 20 minutes. Uh, but obviously, if Atletico hadn't scored, well, they didn't score... Um, they couldn't really find any attacking belief much in the rest of the game. And then Hakim Ziyech scored uh, the first goal. I think it was a, a, a pass across goal and then he just uh, had a tap in at the back post. So a nice build-up play for them. And then, um, obviously, Atletico Madrid had to press Chelsea the whole match, uh, but they couldn't even find a goal. Uh, Savage got uh, sent off for an elbow on, I think it was, Rudiger. Uh, yeah. in in the 81st minute and then 
obviously they they pressed all they could and then they just got caught on the counter and then Emerson with his with his first touch on the pitch slots it in the bottom corner. Yep, um, Emerson's finish was great in the end. It was sort of like a killed shot in the bottom uh, right, which you don't see that often. Um, but the next game was, and we'll go on to the... Um, sorry, I'll go back to the Bayern-Lazio game. And it ended up um, Bayern going through to the quarterfinals for the ninth year in 10, which is absolutely mad. Um, now, the next game, which we will go on to, and it is the Europa League now, uh, Arsenal versus Olympiacos. It was 1-0 Olympiacos, but Arsenal went through because they won 3-2 on aggregate. Um, El Arabi got the goal in the first, 51st minute, uh, and then Barr got sent off for a, a pretty stupid mistake in the end, wasn't it? Um, I, I don't think it was a completely a red because it didn't, he didn't look like he intentionally meant it, did he? I didn't see it, to be honest. I'm just trying to remember it. I think it, it came up and I think it was, I'm not sure if it was Ceballos and he literally, he made the slightest bit of contact with him uh, and then he got sent off, but nobody really made a fuss about it. But yeah, it was 1-0 in the end. Uh, the next game was Dinamo Zagreb versus Tottenham Hotspur. 3-0 in the end, Alex. Madness. Yeah, I don't think Spurs were expecting it at the least. Um, they could have scored in the first half, Tottenham. They had quite a few chances, but they didn't put any away and then uh, as soon as Dynamo Zagreb looked like they, they had nothing left, um, Ziek, not Ziek, why is it Ziek? Orsic, sorry, um, comes up with a moment of magic, scores in the 62nd minute, 82nd uh, to ring it to extra time. And then in the 106th minute, it was just a brilliant goal. Dribble past about three or four players and stuck it in the bottom corner from about 30 yards, which is just incredible. I think he's going to be uh, snatched up by a European club um, sometime soon because. That performance alone is uh, it's just brilliant. Yeah. Um, I, I think Spurs will be regretting not scoring in the first half because if they'd have even got one goal, I think it would have been game over. Yeah, definitely because of the away goal, that would have counted so much. Um, but it sort of shows Spurs, the Spurs, like they lacked a bit of motivation and they didn't create an amazing amount of chances. I know they had about 60% possession, but they didn't make a great deal going forwards, and they even have had Gareth Bale on the pitch, which we've seen him quite a lot in the Europa League. Um, they were, they did come close though, uh, in, in towards the dynamics of the second half when Harry Kane nearly got the goal, but it was cleared off, off the line. line. Yeah. Um, and then he also had another one in the second half, I believe, but it was saved by Vlasic, the Zagreb goalkeeper. Um, and then, yeah, but Mourinho definitely wasn't happy. Um, Hugo Lloris said it was disgraceful, disgraceful performance. And how do you reckon Spurs will bounce back from this? Because they've had a North London derby defeat and this shock result. What, what, in what way could they bounce back? Would you say, Joe? I think Mourinho definitely needs to change something about his tactics. They need to, in my opinion, they need to press more and actually go up the pitch. Um, Mourinho has been using the same tactics for a long time now, and um, I don't think it's working anymore. Alex, would you agree with Joe? Yeah, I think he just needs to find a bit of consistency. Like he, he thrashed Burnley a couple of couple of weeks ago, but then he lost in the non, uh, North London derby to one of the not I wouldn't say the worst Arsenal teams that there's been in a while, but they're they're definitely not the best. And then losing a, a two nil advantage in the Europa League to a, a are they Croatian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Croatian. Yeah, team. and 
I just don't think it was it should be happening. Like Mourinho should have gone and said, "We need to put this to bed." Like two goals after one match is not good enough if you have a an, a whole other match to to play. So um, yeah, I think it's definitely down to the tactics, but it's also down to the mentality of the team. So if they can get a couple of wins going on the bounce, like three in a row, in the next couple of games, then I think they'll be sorted again. But yeah, a, a performance like this is unacceptable. Yeah, we'll see if they can bounce back um, this weekend. I'm not sure if the no, they're not in the FA Cup, are they? But no, I b- got, believe they do now. have. I believe they do have a mate. They might have a Premier League game. Don't don't uh, take that. I think they're playing it. Villa. All right, that should be in the score predictions, which we'll come up to uh, in a minute. Um, but Rangers played Slavia, uh, Slavia Prague, uh, Prague, whatever, um, on yesterday, Thursday, and they won two 0 in the end. Slavia did. Uh, 3-1 on aggregate in the end to them. It's quite a shock performance considering how well Rangers have done this season. Um, of course, they, they got the two goals, uh, Slavia, but then Balogun and Kamar Roof got sent off. Roof, Roof one was definitely sending off because he kicked him in the face. Yeah. Uh, and then Balogun, was it two yellows in the end that got him a red? Uh, yeah, two. Yeah. They were definitely yellows, so I, I don't think you can really argue with it either. Yeah, but that was all o- overshadowed uh, by the Andre Cadella, um, who he went up to uh, the Rangers player Glenn Kamara, and apparently uh, he's made a racist comment towards him. But Alex, the way that he's done it, it's why would you? Do, I know you wouldn't do it anyway, but why would you do it with your hand over your? Like it do- doesn't make sense, does it? I know he's trying to not get caught, but then I'm pretty sure the player next to Kamara has heard it as well. Yeah, I, I was watching. I was like, I don't understand why he's done it because he's definitely not looking for attention. He's just gone up to to Kamara and just said whatever he said to him, and then just tried to walk off, acting like he, he just done nothing. So I can't really imagine what his thought what his uh, thought process was. Um, and he, I think he's it would have been so he doesn't get spotted by the camera. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't really get the point. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Steven Gerrard did come out after the game and he said it this morning in his press conference that he says, uh, I know what needs to happen, but whether that aligns with what UEFA will do, that's completely up to them. Uh, but Rangers are launching an investigation into it. Uh, nothing from UEFA yet, I don't think, which is quite obscene considering that these things are meant to be dealt with quickly. Uh, and of course, UEFA have the no to racism campaign, uh, but yeah, nothing's being done at the moment by them. Um, now, I think the next game was Manchester United versus AC Milan. Um, now, United got through. Um, they played decently well. First half was a bit of a letdown, I would say. Um, but it seemed to be that Chiesa and, oh, is it Matite, the number 18 for AC Milan? Matey. Matey, yeah. Um, he, him and Kiese both got on the ball and McTominay and Fred were pressing really high and they ended up winning that uh, midfield battle, I think, um, because they lost the ball quite a lot in midfield, AC Milan, and we managed to counter-attack as we always do, uh, quite high up the pitch. And then I think Dan James had an option to get, square it to uh, Mason Greenwood in the first half, uh, but he didn't in the end uh, and we didn't get the goal. But then in the second half, um, I think it was the 54th minute, Paul Pogba comes on for Marcus Rashford, who I believe might have a hip injury, nothing's been said yet, and comes on and scores a brilliant goal. Really well taken by Paul Pogba, considering he's just come back. Um, but Dean Henderson started the last couple of games 
Of course, he's been called up to the England squad, which we'll come on to later. Um, but he started eight games this season, seven clean sheets. Would you say De Gea's time at United is over? I, 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 I definitely give him like an extra go. Like he's not, he's not been um, put out of the team because of injury or anything. He's like just because his, um, his, his, his wife's giving yeah. birth. Yeah, in Spain. And. I don't. I don't feel like just because someone's coming to replace you, uh, not due to injury, not due to bad form or anything, and has done very well, doesn't mean you should lose your place. But I also think it, it shouldn't be that um, Henderson's come in and done so well that he shouldn't start either. So I think it's going to be a, a very challenging decision for for Solskjaer to make when De Gea does come back, because De Gea's like he's been at the club I don't know how many years and he's been a very good goalkeeper, but. Again, Henderson's a young goalkeeper coming through, and if he's doing so well, I don't really see the point in in changing it back. Yeah, what was interesting think... was that De Gea was on the bench, and yet he still chose Dean Henderson. I think um, De Gea has done a lot for United as a club, and I think he should be given a chance. But um, Henderson's doing very well at the moment, and I don't see any reason to rule him out. So I think Henderson will be a first choice pick um, for a while and it'll take De Gea proving himself to make him like the better choice. But he will definitely get played even if he's not like the first choice. He will still get game time. I think De- I think a lot of pundits were saying this week, if De Gea is your second man, then he clearly has to leave because he's too good to be on somebody's bench. Um, and then... They've gone on to say Dean Henderson could be England's number one with Jordan Pickford being out. Um, but going on to Dan James now, Alex, and I don't know when you watch him at Wales, is he like this? Basically, he gets the ball, he just runs and gets barged off the ball. I saw it against Fakayo Tamori yesterday about 13 times. It's something ridiculous. He just gets barged off the ball easily and then he overcommits his fouls. And I don't know, he's, he just doesn't seem like a proper United player. I know he's a counter-attacking player, which it is good and it is good for us. But you wouldn't start him, would you? I think it's it's harder to compare him at United than to Wales. Like At Wales, you see on one side, you've got like Gareth Bale, who's that guy you can pass to and he'll dribble past about seven players and stick in the top bins. Whereas Dan James like will try and play a three ball to him and sometimes he'll get to it, but then he won't really have the end product. And it just seems like not a, a waste of a, a position, but it doesn't seem like there's any other way to play him other than play through balls or let him run as fast as he can and only get past the, the defender half the time. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, tricky. But I think if a manager can find his preferred position and find a style that will suit him, then it'd be better. But he's not the type of player you want to suit your whole team around. So, yeah, it's definitely um, quite hard for the managers to, to sort everything out. Yeah. Um, going on to uh, what you thought of AC Milan's performance, because you are wearing the top, if nobody... Well, nobody will see, but you'll see on the highlights, maybe. Um, they only had one striker uh, on the bet, on the whole team, and it was Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who did come on in the second half, and Henderson was forced to make a great save. But they started with uh, Sami Castellejo up front, who, of course, used to play for Villarreal. But... Would you say the false nine worked in the end? I know they didn't score a goal, but it looked all right in the first half, didn't it? I I, I said I liked their build-up play and it was very fast and they were getting into the positions that they want to be getting into. 
But I think with Ibrahimovic on the whole game, they would have created so many more chances because they were very one-dimensional with, with the false nine. But if they had like Castellejo just behind Ibrahimovic, then it'd have like two options, like either cross it in the box or try and play through the United defence, which eventually they found quite hard to do. Um, so I think if they if they started uh, Ibrahimovic, then they would have probably maybe even scored a goal. But again, they, although their attacking play and defensively, I thought they were quite good as well. But attacking wise, I thought they were very good. But in the final third, I think they could have played quite a lot better with Ibrahimovic on. Um, but I'd, I don't think he, they even have another striker, do they? They have, um, I think, Piatek they used to have, the Polish guy, but he's gone somewhere and uh, like Hertha Berlin or something. And then, yeah. I, I they, do have, they do have Rafael Leal, don't they? But he was injured. Yeah. So that didn't help them very much. But Chalinoglu uh, and oh, who was it? Somebody else came back. I think it was the left back because they swapped uh, Dallo out for him. Oh, yeah, it was Theo Hernandez, or as the commentary was saying, Theo. Um, but, yeah, uh, Hernandez came back as well. And I thought they would have damaged us a bit more, but, of course, Rafael Leal wasn't playing, so it didn't help them that much in the end. Um, now, going on to the... Sorry, go on. I was going to ask you if Dallo was still on loan, aren't you? Yeah, Dallo's on... You. Yeah, Dallo's still on loan, um, but he's not... It's not like the FA Cup or anything where, you can, where you're not allowed to play against your uh, same team that you're loaned from, even. But you can do it in the Europa League. But yeah, that's just the rules, I suppose. Now, going on to the Champions League quarterfinal draw that was drawn today on Friday. Um, now, I'll read them out uh, and you two let me know your score predictions. Uh, I'll go Joe and then Alex. So, each game, Joe, Alex. What, after both legs? Uh, yeah, but don't give me a score. Just give me who do you think will win. The winner. Okay. Yeah, all right. So, the first game is Manchester City versus Borussia Dortmund. Uh, Manche- oh, wait, I'm not first. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just graceful. So Joe said City. Alex? City. Next game, Porto versus Chelsea. 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 Bayern versus PSG. Bayern. Ah, I'm going to have to go Bayern as well. Ooh, PSG I think PSG could have a shot on a day, but on paper, I think Bayern. Real Madrid, Liverpool. Madrid. I, I want to go Real Madrid as well. I can't. I don't know. I've yeah. been saying all day Real Madrid. Like Jason's been so cocky. He's been saying, oh, I'm, it's the, the second best result we could have had. It's either Real Madrid or Porto I wanted. And they got Real Madrid. And I was like, well, you're going to get knocked out by them. So I have to stick with my guns. Yeah. Um, now... The winners of the Bayern Munich PSG match will play the winners of the City Dortmund match. So I was saying to some Liverpool fans, this is plays in their favour, really, doesn't it? Because it's not you're not getting the two best teams, arguably, in Europe at the moment. That is Manchester City and Bayern Munich. So it works in their favour, but then they do come up against either this is Liverpool if they win against Real Madrid. They do come up against Porto or Chelsea, uh, and I think Drek and Chelsea could beat them in the semis if they do get there. I was saying, I think Chelsea were Chelsea are sorry, um, probably probably the dark horses. I'd say Bayern and PSG and Manchester City are like the three teams you'd probably predict that either going to be in the final or win it. But I think Chelsea are probably the team because they've been in such good form with Tuchel. I think they could really hurt some teams, and it looks like it's going to be Liverpool around Madrid. They're going to face in the 
in the uh, the quarterfinal. Or, no, the semifinal, oh, yeah. sorry. Because uh, I don't think they'll struggle well, that much against Porto. Yeah, of course, City coming to, coming up against Borussia Dortmund, of course. Jadon Sancho knows them very well coming through the Youth Academy after before he, after he went from Watford. Um, and then Erlen Haaland, of course, his dad played for City as well. Um, if you were Pep Guardiola, how would you cope with the threat of Erlen Haaland up front? Take his legs. <laughs> I reckon either stick um, Rodri on him or stick um, Diaz on him. Because I think if you man-mark him, then it's pretty much taking him out of the game and then they can't really do anything with him. But again, they probably need one or two players to to get on Haaland if, he, if they're going to keep him quiet. I think the only option is to man-mark him, but he's so good he will probably slip through that at some point. Uh, they've just got to stay aware of him at all times. They can't let him, like, run. Otherwise, he will score, and he'll score quite a few. I wouldn't be surprised if they go to a back three like they did against Fulham and put Kyle Walker in that back three just purely because of the pace of Haaland that can cause City damage. And then you could put Stones and Diaz as well and then maybe leave Laporte out and then put Cancelo and Mendy on the wing-back roles because they've they've been doing fair, fairly well. But then City have been playing that extra man in midfield with João Cancelo taking more of a sort of defensive midfield position up, hasn't he? Uh, just adding to the men in midfield. So we could see City do something like that, but yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Also, I want your thoughts on the Real Madrid-Liverpool tie. Do you think Liverpool will sit back and counter or do you reckon they'll go out and try and win the ball and press Real Madrid? I think they'll press and I think Real will punish them for it. We've we've seen a lot of success with Liverpool under Klopp with them pressing, like being a a very attacking team. But this season, I think they've got most of their wins. One that comes to mind is uh, West Ham away. they got that win because they they counter-attacked and it worked very well for them. So if they can do that against Real Madrid, who I think are going to be quite an attacking team, then it might work quite well for them. But uh, I don't think many um, games with them versus Real Madrid have gone very well in the past. So I'll have to see how this one goes. Yep. Now we're going to Europa League now. That quarter-final draw for that was today as well. Um, now I'll we'll do the same thing as what I did before. So Joe says the first who he thinks is going to win, and then Alex, you'll say who you think is going to win. So the first game is Granada versus Manchester United. Joe, who do you think is going to win this one? United. United. Yeah, I think it's given. Uh, the next game, Arsenal versus Slavia Prague. Of course, they did um, beat Leicester and Rangers in the last two matches, British teams. Joe, who do you think is going to win that one? I'd like to say Arsenal. I'd like to see the British team go through. I think I'm going to go Slavia Prague. I think they'll do it again. Uh, next game, Ajax, who have hit form in recent times, first in the era of Adize and Roma. Ajax, let's go with Ajax. I'm going to go Ajax as well, yeah. Dinamo Zagreb versus Villarreal. Villarreal, I think. Uh, I'm going to go Zagreb. Ooh. Um, now, the games for that one, um, because they did the quarterfinals and the semifinal draw today as well, so United will play either Ajax or Roma. Um, a lot of people saying Ajax would probably be the more likely person to go through to that game and uh, 
to go through to the game into the semis and play United. Of course, that would be a rewatch of uh, the 2017 final in the Europa League. Uh, But looking at Arsenal things now, and if they do beat Slavia, then they do play Zagreb or Villarreal. Um, So we could see an all-English final for all we know. Do you reckon it will happen? Oh, I think was it 2019 that it happened with yeah, Chelsea, Arsenal, Chelsea, Arsenal. Yeah, I think it definitely could happen. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I can I, I'd like to see it, but I'd also not like to see it because I don't really want Arsenal um, getting any getting anywhere near a trophy this season. Do you reckon it will be possible, Joe, for an all English final? Um. Yeah, I, I think you're probably quite likely to get to the final, um, unless either Ajax or Roma stump you. Yeah. Um, Arsenal might struggle um, in the semis if they do get through, but it would be quite interesting to see. Yeah. See, I was listening to the pundits from last night's Europa League highlights show Owen Hargreaves was saying it's United's game to it's United's cup to lose because they just need to have the mentality and make sure they dominate games and counter-attack well that's all they need to do and then he said that they probably won it if they do that same with Paul Scholes um but would you say because the Buckies have got United as the best team uh, as the team to win uh, the cup but could you see maybe another team that maybe isn't Arsenal or United, like Ajax, who have done really well this season, come up and win the Europa League? Or is it most not likely? Yeah, the only team I can see rivaling um, Man United and Arsenal is Ajax. Uh, other than that, I don't think any team is as strong or have as, as much um, quality <laughs> as either of the teams. So... Unless Ajax do a do a job on on United and then maybe be Arsenal in the final if they face them, then I can't really see United slipping up. Yep, it will be interesting to see. Joe, are you going to say something? Um, I don't think we can underestimate uh, Villarreal or uh, Zagreb, but it'll be something to watch out for. Could also say Slavia as well, considering, like I said before, they did beat Rangers and Leicester, who sort of they don't really play the same as Arsenal, but they do in a counter attacking and a pressing way. So you never know, we'll see what happens. Um, now going on to the Premier League fixtures Everton versus Burnley, Alex 2 1 in the end to Burnley. Nobody likes Burnley, do they, Alex? <laughs> No, I mean, but they they deserved it at the end. We we created enough chances to to even win the game, but the two early goals really did us. And then obviously with Java Junior having to come on, we didn't really have the kicks that uh, Pickford has and starting to build up play, and we really beat it out from there. And yeah, I mean, Burnley uh, <laughs> deserved to win, um, so I don't I don't really have much to say about it. Yeah. Um, if- of course, Chris Wood scored in the 13th minute and then Dwight McNeil scored an absolute rocket of a goal that went in the top corner in the 24th minute. Um, would, with Pickford out, is that a massive concern? Because I know you've got some other injuries. I know Gabamin's come back into training today. 
I think so. Like against City, I think Carlo Ancelotti is confirmed we have to play a Java Virginia in goal, who is a 21 year old goalkeeper who's just come out of our youth academy. So it's not going to be a, a very good um, moment for us. But luckily, we have got Olsen who's coming back from injury pretty soon. So hopefully, we see him in goal. Yeah. Um, who do you play at the weekend? You play City. Oh, yeah, you play City. You just uh, in the FA Cup, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, going on to Manchester City now, and they played Fulham away, winning 3-0. Uh, John Stones got his fifth goal of the season and the 700th under Pep Guardiola. Aguero got his first goal um, for 417 days, which is absolutely mad. 14 months, I think it is. Um, and then, yeah, Gabriel Jesus got the last goal. Uh, or the, I think it was the middle goal uh, in between those two goals. But yeah, City did win 3-0, leading 14 points in the Premier League. Of course, they do have... a uh, one game advantage over United who are still yet to play the game in hand. Um but I'm being dead. Is it is it fourteen or thirteen? It's oh no it is fourteen now yeah. Yeah. It said seventeen on the post. Ah oh, right, right. Oh yeah I because think that United was before Leicester won. Oh yeah. United yeah. Yeah United and Leicester played. Um I don't but... think either of you are catching them though. No. Yeah, uh, I don't know. This year has been weird, but yeah, I think this would be even more weird if this does happen. Um, now, the big question is, can Manchester City win the quadruple? Looking very strong this year. Got a lot of squad depth, playing very good football. Because if you think about it, they've won the Premier League now. I think we're all going to admit that. Um, the League Cup is against Spurs. Unless Spurs pull something off, then I'd, uh, then they could still win the treble. Um, but they're most likely to win that. So that leaves them with the Champions League and the FA Cup. And they're already in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup and the Champions League. So, Alex, can they actually win this quadruple? Yes. And I think that's a... I don't I don't know if... Has any English team ever won the quadruple? No won the quadruple. You've had a couple of teams won the treble, like United, Liverpool and City winning the domestic. Um, but yeah, nothing, yeah. no quadruple. I think we could we could definitely see it happen. Like in terms of the Premier League, they're miles beyond anyone behind them, except maybe the the top five or six. Um, and then I think they need to focus on the the Champions League because all all of the domestic things are pretty much wrapped up. Um, you could say maybe the FA Cup isn't really, but they've only got like three matches to get to the final. So if if Pep Guardiola does focus on the Champions League, then maybe we could see them getting through. But I think Bayern will be the, the biggest test for them. Yeah. Would you say, Joe, would you say that's the only team in the way from getting this quadruple? Do you reckon they'll just beat all, uh, any other team in the path that comes? Well, obviously nothing certain, but yeah, I think that is going to be the hardest trial for them. And it'll probably be a really good match, to be honest, seeing arguably the two best teams in the whole of Europe. Um probably ever that we've ever seen facing it off it, it, it would be a good game I'm not sure about ever though because we've seen some like Real Madrid Barcelona classics but it, it, it could be up there it could be up there for all we know um, of course they won't meet in the final but they will meet in the semi-final if they both do get there um, is it cities to lose? no I think with the treble um, I think it is but I think with the Champions League, I think it's is anyone still. Because when Liverpool won it, they finished fourth in the league. No one thought they'd do that. But um, yeah, this season, I think 
I don't know. I can't really, except maybe Dortmund and Porto. All of those teams are can still win the win the Champions League. Um, so it's definitely going to be a tough one. Yep. And do we think they will win against Spurs in the League Cup? Yes. Yeah. I think with with the form that Tottenham are on, um, and just the the team in general, I don't think they can match to Man City. Yeah, but I think that would be City's four consecutive League Cup in a row or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the next game was Leicester City versus Sheffield United. Leicester City absolutely destroyed Sheffield United. 5-0 in the end with the Kelechi Iheanacho hat-trick. Sheffield United haven't beaten Leicester since 2008 and that still carries on. Um, for his second hat-trick, Iheanacho, um, of course, the first one coming at City in an FA Cup tie, I believe, and the second coming in this game against Sheffield United. Would you say he's improved a lot over the years, Alex, considering what he was like at City? Yeah, City was either one of the next big big strikers, but um, he went to Leicester to, to develop his career, and I think now he's just starting to show how good of a player he is. It definitely took him a while to, to get into his stride and obviously with Vardy ahead of him he's not going to get that much game time but uh, now Brendan Rodgers has put him up front with Vardy he's definitely getting his fair amount of goals Yep of course Vardy does score in the game he also assisted one of the goals uh, for Kalecci and Nacho I got 14 points off him in the end for FPL which I was quite happy yes, about I thought he went down as a, an Ampadu and goal Oh yeah sorry it did. yeah you were right sorry because it crossed in didn't it and then yeah, Ampadu, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right, sorry. Um, and then Iosi Perez got his second goal this season. His first actually came in the return fixture uh, at Bramall Lane where Leicester won 2-1. Um, now, Joe, looking on to the Sheffield United sides of things, Paul Heckenbottom has come in as uh, the Sheffield United manager. And this is what he had to say. He said, uh, it's taken a, its toll and it's an emotional dressing room after the game. This was, of course, after Chris Wilder's left. They've lost the game 5-0. Um, could we see even more of a downward spiral for Sheffield United? I'm not sure how, if they can actually do worse than they did at the very start, but it could be. And um, they're pretty much guaranteed a place in the Championship next season. But I think they could even drop further than that because they seem to be having a lot of issues at the moment. And a team this poor could well be relegated next season as well. Um, Alex, David McGoldrick's out with an injury, of course. Um, Chris Wilder, of course, he's left. Do we think, you said, you said it last week, you should have said, because he's the man that could get them back up to the Premier League. Yeah, ever since you've said that, I've heard it all across the media. Everyone's been saying it. Um, do you reckon that is a massive like L, a big loss that they've lost them? I, I, I don't really, because they knew they were getting down when they when they got rid of him. Like, I don't think, they could mathematically stay up, but it's very uncertain whether they would or not. Um, but they, they were definitely going down and then just getting rid of him and bringing in a, a manager who's probably going to do worse than him, who doesn't know the squad or anything is not going to help the football club. And now they have to find another manager when they go down to the championship. So I thought he resigned. He might have done. Um, but again, I don't understand why he, he would resign because he, 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 in some of his interviews, he even said, we're, we're getting ready for the, for the championship because um, we're going to be down there next season. Um, 
So I don't really get the point in, in him leaving or the club letting him go. I think the timing um, was really weird. Yeah. because I didn't they, get why it was coming out now. They were already down. So yeah. there's no real point. And, um, and he is the man that could take him up. Because he knows the squad so well. And I think they would have a much better shot at getting a, a well-rounded team if they came up and did well with fans. Because I don't think they'll succeed without fans. I think that's yeah. what they them up the first season. Sorry? I think that's what made them do so well the first season. And then yeah. when the fans did uh, weren't allowed in in the later stages of it, they just capitulated. It's um, like, a, like an extra man for them. And I think if they were allowed to reset, go back to the championship, probably do well in the championship when fans come back, if they do come back in September, which they should realistically um, in some capacity, I think they could do really well in the championship, come up and then become a, a, a feature of the premiership almost. But they would need to get their team in order if they were to make or stay in the Premiership for any length of time. Yeah, I, th- I heard something the other day. Yeah, for Sheffield United to stay up, they have to win eight of their last ten games that they've got left, um, which will be very, very which hard for them. They haven't won eight games all season. <laughs> yeah, so that yeah, that just shows what could happen. Um, but don't the other teams also have to lose? lose yeah. yeah, yeah, as well, yeah. Of course, so it's only for them to have a possibility of staying up, they have to win eight games. Yeah. Which would be an incredible run of form for them. But it might not. It probably won't happen. <laughs> I mean, it's the Premiership. We'll probably see them coming close, getting like six out of ten wins or seven out of ten wins. And then being relegated by like two points or something stupid. Um, just because it's the Premiership. Yeah, I do think they'll bounce back in the next game, though, surely. They can't let it get any worse. They can't go worse than this, can I don't they? think it can get much worse. You don't You don't want to send off from the Premiership after losing every every one of your last 10 games. All right, so the next game was Arsenal versus Spurs. Ended up 2-1 to uh, Arsenal in the end. Alex just put me off them because he just, just did a weird face expression on the Zoom call. Uh, but yeah, North under Derby, 2-1 to Arsenal in the end after a brilliant uh, Lamella goal. Um, of course, there was no Aubameyang after a disciplinary issue. Do we know what that was fully about? Was it him coming into late in training? Um, he didn't go to training. And then um, at the end of the match that he wasn't played, he... Um, instead of doing the like post-match exercises with everybody, when players were being interviewed, he just drove off in his Ferrari really loud. There's actually a clip on Twitter, I believe, of someone in an interview, and then you can just hear a Ferrari in the background as he takes off. I didn't expect him to be like that sort of person. No. I think he was annoyed that he wasn't played, but like, if you don't go to training, what do you expect? Yeah. Yeah. Um and you can't let the you can't let the whole of the rest of the team think that's okay. So fair play to Arteta for not for Yeah, and Arteta's down, the right? kind of manager that you if you're not going to go to training anyway, you're not gonna be on the team. Like he's stupid to think otherwise. He is a Bamiyang, but like come on. Yeah. You're not as I've... good as you think you are. Yeah. If even if he doesn't start, you've still got Lacazette Pepe. All of them great players, so it's not yeah, Aubameyang with Arsenal. It's not Arsenal. a bad it's team, it's not him carrying the team, is it? I mean, they yeah. beat Tottenham. 
hasn't, yeah. he hasn't done much this season. He's not scored a great deal compared compared to other seasons, has he? Um, Alex Son did go off injured in the 19th minute, and on came Eric Lamella. He had a mixed game, didn't he? Would you like to talk through his performance? Well, he, he came on and then he uh, he did he scored a Rabona from from the edge of the box, which was a uh, one of the best North London derbies uh, goals I've seen. Um, but then obviously Arsenal equalised before half time, was it? And then yeah, um, then did he he got sent off afterwards for was it two yellows? Yeah. Uh, yeah, two yellows. So the first one was a tackle. But to be fair to him, and they did speak about it on match of the day, he got the ball first. It was just his trailing leg. But even what he meant to do with your training, what he meant to do with your trailing leg, he meant to cut his leg off so he can't go and see the play. It's gonna happen. But he got booked for that, which many people didn't think it was. But in the second one on Tierney, that's definite yellow card. He's blatantly hit him in the head <laughs> with his hand there. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see the point in that, do, do you? So if you get the ball and then you trail in like, what are you meant to do with your tra- trailing like? Put it behind. I, I don't know. I think it should be a warning rather than a cardable offence because your trailing leg is very hard to control. And yes, it's a bit of a danger if the player trips on it. But at the end of the day, you you're, all your force is in the straight leg. If someone, if you hit your trailing leg against somebody, it's not likely to cause them a serious injury, and it's not deliberately endangering another player. Um, so I, I think it should be a warning, and then a yellow if it happens again, rather than a straight yellow. Do you agree agree with Joe Alex? Yeah, I think there's not enough um, specifying about what you're supposed to do because he's done the right thing with his. Um, with the leg that he's tackled with but in that situation I don't see much he can do with the trailing leg and that's ultimately why he's got the, the yellow card so yeah if they yeah. if they specify what he's meant to do then he can get away with it but they haven't said anything and he, he's just got to, to take it on the chain yeah um, now was it a penalty because Davinson Sanchez has made the foul on Lacazette in the end uh, but Lacazette's shot wasn't going in because he's missed the ball and he was he looked like he was leaning into Davinson Sanchez and then it looks like Sanchez has tackled him but it wasn't it, it was more of like a set falling into him would you not say Alex? Yeah, I think the the ball had gone out of play like he'd, he'd kicked it and it's gone so far wide and then Davinson Sanchez has like barged into him with Lacazette going the other way as well uh, and then Lacazette's gone on the floor uh, shouted a bit and he's given the penalty. Um, but I, it's hard to say if it was a foul because if it's a foul, then I do think it's a penalty because although like the ball has gone out of play, it is it's still a foul in the penalty area, so it should be a penalty. But whether it's a penalty or not is probably down to VAR and they've deemed it as it as it was. Um, in normal time, I thought it was a penalty because he had I, it looked like it just barged into him, but yeah. uh, it turns out Lacazette had also like gone into Davinson Sanchez as well to create more force and. He's fallen over, so it's a foul on him. This is another thing. So Lacazette's momentum, he's missed the shot. He's fallen over anyway. And then Davinson Sanchez, he might, we don't know, we could have got the ball. He might have got Lacazette's foot. Most likely not, though. And Davinson Sanchez if went to make, make the ta- tackle, yeah. And then Lacazette just virtually barges into him, really. Or his momentum takes him to barge into Davinson Sanchez. So it's not a clear and obvious penalty. Michael Oliver, the referee, did say it was a reckless challenge, but he had the best view of the pitch. 
nobody, no other players were in front of him apart from that. Um, of, apart from the two players of Lacazette and Davinson Sanchez, and he still gave it as a penalty after VAR. I think it was after VAR. I think, but yeah, another, another thing that maybe VAR could work on. Maybe um, Spurs did did nearly nick it at the end with Harry Kane hitting the post, and then the rebound shot from Lucas Moura, Tango and Dembele. Uh, sorry, uh, nearly went in, but I think it was uh, saved in the end. Um, I don't know if anybody heard, but do you know when Lacazette scored his penalty? Did anybody hear um, Travis Scott's highest in the room just start playing in the background? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, Travis Scott, uh, of course, he has a song highest in the room. I just started playing after he scored for some reason because I swear Arsenal have like a song or something when they score a goal or something. I, I, don't, I don't know if they do. I don't know. But highest in the room, really. But... I'm the highest in the room. Yeah, but you could literally hear. I'll try and get a clip and send it you guys. But yeah, it was it was quite funny. Uh, the next game was Manchester United versus West Ham. One 0 to Manchester United. A Craig Dawson own goal. Um, West Ham didn't offer a great deal, Alex, until the 66th minute. Uh, up until Ben Rama came on, it looked like. I'm pa- I'm Anzini, sorry. Yeah, you could see uh, David Moyes' plan was to just like hold back until they maybe uh, snatched a goal and just sit back for the whole match and not let United get that many chances. But uh, they found it quite easy to break them down and they got the the one goal they needed. And then uh, West Ham, after the the 66th minute, as you said, had to come forward to Man United and then uh, didn't find a goal and didn't equalise. But they they didn't really deserve to equalise with the the play that they had uh, so defensive in, in the first half. And quite a lot of the second half as well so yeah yeah um the next game was palace versus west brom we'll just go over this quickly uh luka milivojevic getting the goal for palace he scored 28 goals for crystal palace and 25 of them have come from the penalty spot uh the next game was leeds versus chelsea alex you did watch this one um leeds have failed to score in the last in the four of the last five games and it was quite an open game, to be fair, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was a game that deserved a goal. Uh, the first half an hour, I think it was, Leeds had hit their own crossbar and Chelsea's crossbar. So it was a game that... It, it was a very exciting game. Um, Chelsea played quite a nice football and then Leeds hit them on the counter-attack quite a lot. I think Patrick Bamford had a goal disallowed for offside, which yeah. was quite controversial, but it, it was offside in the end. And... Um, a couple of good saves from both goalkeepers kept it nil nil. Yep, uh, Patrick Bamford did go off injured in the first half for that match. Um, so whether he'll make a return soon, we don't quite know. The next game was Newcastle versus Aston Villa. Now, Joe, thirty sixth minute, Kieran Clark has an own goal uh, from a Watkins shot, and I think it was a target cross that came in, and it. Watkins has got something on it. It goes in off Kieran Clark, but then Jamal Lascelles scores in the 94th minute to get a second consecutive uh, home game, uh, to score in the second consecutive home game Lascelles did. Is it just all these just last-minute winners you just need to hold back? <laughs> we don't seem to be able to hold out. I mean, it happens a lot, and it's something that I think we'll work on... Um, over next season particularly. But I'm very happy with where it's looking like we're going to end up um, compared to last season. 
And I think we can improve and we will improve. And um, this patch of bad form is largely down to being down greylish. Yeah. Which I know we can't rely on, but it is a big factor in our team at the moment. Yeah, I've heard the phrase this last couple of weeks, no Grealish, bad Aston Villa, or no Aston Villa. Do you agree with that? No, I don't think we're a bad team without Grealish. I just think we are massively improved by Grealish, and our players' attitudes is improved by Grealish. When he's not on the pitch, our players don't seem to perform or they they don't seem to have the same positive energy as they do when Grealish is there. And um, he he does lead the team really well. When Grealish is angry at something, everyone's angry at something. And when Grealish is angry at something, he does something about it and he goes and scores a goal like Birmingham, which, um, yeah, I, I don't think we're a bad team without him, but I do think he is a massive part of our squad. Yep. Um, now the next game was Wolves versus Liverpool. 1-0 to Liverpool in the end. Diogo Jota scoring against his former club. Um, Wolves had a, a couple of chances, not many in the first half. Second half, I would say they were quite diabolical. Um, didn't create any chances really whatsoever. Fabio Silva came on, didn't really do a great deal. Uh, but yeah, Jota got the goal that Patricio should have saved. But then some bad news for Wolves with uh, Rui Patricio going off because of a head injury. Uh, I think he was out cold, wasn't he, for a couple of minutes uh, after the Conor Cody incident, I think is... I think his knee went into Rupert head. Uh, but Nuno Espirito Santo had to say uh, after the game what was up and how Patricio was. And this is what he had to say. He says, he's okay, he's conscious, he's awake, and he's aware of what happened. The doctor tells me it's okay. Um, so, yeah, thank God Patricio is all right. Um, they don't seem and- to have a good record with head injuries, do they? No, two in one season. Um, hopefully there's no more, fingers crossed. Talks We're going to be wearing scrum hats. But, yeah, no head and balls. You could see that in the future. Um, no, now, that's stupid. Now, uh, I'll just read out the England under 21s, the highlight you could say uh, um, of who really is big in that team. So it's a 23 man squad, but I'll read out a couple of them. So Aaron Ramsdale appears as one of the goalkeepers, of course, Sheffield United goalkeeper. Max Ahrens and Ben, God, ben Godfrey uh, and Ryan Sessegnon and Stephen Sessegnon and Jaffet Tenganga of Spurs both appear or all appear in the squad. Tom Davis, a bit, uh, a bit trier, Eze, Conor Gallagher, Curtis Jones, Dwight McNeil and Oliver Skip, of course, on loan at Norwich now was uh, is part of Spurs' squad. Um, and then the forwards, Rian Brewster, Mason Greenwood, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Nani Maduke, who's very, meant to be very good, plays for PSV, Eindhoven, uh, Eddie Nketiah and Emil Smith-Rowe. It's not a bad team, is it, Alex? I think some of them could break into the uh, senior squad, but it is a very good team, isn't it? Yeah, there's definitely a few that you might even uh, think of seeing in there in the England squad, but obviously there's not a lot of places and a lot of very, very good players. Uh, I think Hudson, well, some of them have even had their... The um, first, like the first team caps, like oh, Hudson Odoi's yeah. got a few caps. Um, I'm not sure who else does. Uh, Ryan Sessegnon? Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, but yes, yeah, so a very good team and a very good team for the under 21s. All have 
uh, quite experienced first team football. So should be exciting to see how they get on. Yeah, I don't think Ryan Sessegnon does thinking about it now. Uh, but I know his brother, Stephen, hasn't either. But they do both appear in the squad. Um, Greenwood, Hudson uh, Doyen Jones come into the squad. No Phil Foden because he might be in another team, which we'll read out later. Um, but Jude Bellingham uh, isn't in the team, but him and Reese James, who aren't included, are in the senior squad, which we'll come on to in a minute. And then Emil Smith-Rowe and Jaffet Tanganga, first call-ups for the England squad. So a very exciting team. Um, now, Alex, would you do us the honours of reading out the 26-man team squad name for the World Cup qualifiers? All of them. Um, I'll read go, all of them. Go through them very quickly if you want, yeah. Okay, so goalkeepers, you've got Dean Henderson, Sam Johnston and Nick Pope. Defenders, you've got Ben Chilwell, Connor Cody, Eric Dyer, Reese James, Harry Maguire, Tyrone Mink, Luke Shaw, John Stones, Trippier and Kyle Walker. Midfielders, you've got Jude Bellingham, Phil Foden, Jesse Lingard. Mason Mount, Calvin Phillips, Declan Rice, James Ward-Prowse. And forwards, you've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Bakayo Saka, uh, Raheem Sterling and Ollie Watkins. Right, so I want to go through this by position by position. Uh, but I just wanted to let everyone know here that this is the last squad that's going to get picked before we go into the Euros. So the, ne- the next time Gareth Southgate announces the team selection will be in May. So this is the last chance for some England players maybe to show what they've got. So I just wanted to put that out there. So let's go for the goalkeepers. Of course, Pickford's injured. So that means Dean Henderson, uh, Sam Johnston of West Brom and Nick Pope come in, who of course plays for Burnley. Who do we think is going to start for England at the number one position? I think it'd probably be Nick Pope, or, although I think he's going to like swap them at halftime like he normally does in friendlies uh, with Sam, uh, Dean Henderson. Sorry. I think Pope Henderson, to be honest, yeah. Yeah. I was surprised by Sam Johnston, but I suppose he has... I can't really done... think of any other goalkeepers yeah. either. Ben Foster. <laughs> um, but he has, he, has done, he has done quite well. Uh, but, of course, a shaky defence with West Brom, you could say, um, and them not doing so well. But he is still a class goalkeeper. Hasn't and... he like faced the most goals and uh, faced the most shots in the Premier League as well? Yeah, he's had a lot of penalties to deal with as well I think um, now the defenders now a very controversial one which we have to speak about Trent Alexander-Arnold not being a part of the England squad what are our thoughts on this one of course this is what Gareth Southgate had to say before um, everybody goes and talks about it and he said Trent is of course a super talent I'm certain he'll play a big part for England in the future I don't think he has played at the level that he found in the last couple of years, but I think he's getting very close to that. So, do we think Trent Alexander-Arnold's been let down by Southgate here, Joe? No, I probably agree with what um, Southgate's saying. I probably would say he hasn't reached the level that he has done in previous seasons, but I think that could be said about the Liverpool squad as a whole. It's not just his fault. I don't think he's been let down. I just think he's been given an opportunity to prove himself and actually been called out on it. And if he does improve himself towards the later stages of the season, he could find himself be moving back in. But I don't think he's likely. Do you think, Alex, do you think this is quite vital for Trent to get into the squad? Because, of course, this squad could be the squad for all we know that goes and plays for the Euros. Maybe not, actually, but he might... A lot of players might need 
um, to get back in the England camp and see what it's like and just make sure they still know what it's about. Do you reckon Trent might miss that? I think Southgate might have done it uh, for like just to kind of motivate him to be better because he's seen that he's not been at his best this season, although he has been probably one of the best fullbacks in the league this season, even though he hasn't been very good overall. Um, but when I look at the right-backs, they've got uh, Reese James, Kieran Trippier and Kyle Walker. Kyle Walker he sometimes plays as a, a wide centre-back, so it's Trippier or Reese James who you're probably going to play at right-back. And I would argue even in his bad form, I think um, Trent Alexander-Arnold is a better right-back than Kieran Trippier. So I think the only reason he's probably left him out is either behavioural, which he hasn't uh, spe- specified about, uh, or it's just because like he wants to motivate him to be to become better and be at his best for the World Cup. Yep, um, I do think. Well, Wambasaka has oh, not been included, has he? Which no, I think we it might be a nascent change, apparently. Yeah, so we did speak about this last week. He could be going to uh, the Republic of Congo. So I don't know if that's played in Southgate's decision to not include him in the squad, but. You could say that Wan-Bissaka, and I'm not being biased here, but Wan-Bissaka has been one of the best right backs in the Prem this season. You could maybe say. I think I think it's mainly because Southgate plays with like attacking fullbacks, and I don't think Wan-Bissaka really fits the style of play of uh, Gareth Southgate. But he maybe even could fit into the to the centre back role because he's done the same with with Kyle Walker, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, now, Joe, looking at the centre-backs, quite shocked by some of these. Eric Dyer, Tyrone Mings, John Stones, who, of course, has played brilliant so far this season, Connor Cody and Harry Maguire. Were you quite surprised that Tyrone Mings got into the squad? Not really. I think he is a very good player and I think he does deserve a place in the squad. From our team and our performance currently, it is... Um, showing almost that he's picked Tyron Mings. It does sort of speak of him, of um, Southgate picking the players that he does prefer, because I know he does like Tyron Mings, but I don't think that is a bad choice necessarily. And that's not biased. I, I would, think he's a very you, good player. Yeah. Would you argue that uh, Ezri Concert could have maybe taken Mings's place? Konza could could well have made that team, yeah. But I think um, Mings is more of a marquee pick for the team. I, I think um, Konza works just as hard as Mings, and at times could even can even play better than Mings. But Mings is a very well rounded defender, and I think that he is ultimately a better player than Konza, even though Konza is such a huge asset to the team that we have right now. Yeah, of course. Atletico Madrid have performed very well this season, I believe. They are first or second in La Liga. Um, but Kieran Trippier quite surprisingly made it into the squad, but it, it is known that we don't really watch the leagues like most other people, so we don't know how well he's been playing. Um, but uh, but if Southgate trusts, trusts him, Southgate trusts him. Alex, shocked by Eric Dyer, considering that Spurs haven't been amazing defensively this season. Probably better than last season, but not as good. 
I was very, I think it's a mix between he's not been great for Tottenham by any stretch of imagination. And when he's played for England, he's been probably one of our worst players. So to see him picked again, I think it must be due to like, we. Like I've seen this type of squad over and over again from, from Gareth Southgate. And it must be a fact that he doesn't like changing it. He likes the same team so he can keep the same tactics. Um, so I don't know. I, th- I don't think he'll play Eric Dyer. Because he, he does like like swap the team around quite a bit. But in terms of the squad, I don't see much variation. So, yeah, I, I was very concerned about him picking Eric Dyer again, seeing as he's not had the best season and he's not been the best for England. So, yeah, I'm, I don't know. Yep, now going on to the midfielders. Um, of course, if we do play five at the back, we could see a possible three midfield. Who would you two be choosing if uh, we did play a three in midfield? Um, I know Grealish and Madison. I think they're both injured. But if yeah. they weren't injured, I'd probably go for them. Um, but in terms of this one, I'd probably go Declan Rice, Mason Mount and Phil Foden. I'd probably go Foden, Rice... And then either Mount or Lingard. I think Lingard would be a really interesting pick. Yeah, I think Lingard does quite flow quite well with the England squad. We saw it very much in the 2018 World Cup. Um, of course, he scored that goal against Panama and a lot of other vital goals as well and assists. But Jude Bellingham, there's a bit of a concern with him because I believe uh, there's COVID-19 restrictions of him. Uh going up to the England squad. And I know a couple of clubs, including Liverpool, were thinking of not letting their players uh, go to the England setup. That might have been a reason why Trent goes or maybe Southgate's just not picked him because, like he said, he's not currently on the best of form. Um, but Bellingham, it, the rule could change. But yeah, it's still another great chance to get him involved in the set- setup to possibly in the Euro squad. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see if that happens. Uh, Jesse Lingard, of course, returns. Um, he's hit form in the last couple of weeks. Would you say he's deserved to get back in the squad? Yeah, I think he's deserved to get back in the squad, but I don't think Gareth Southgate should be like picking him to start, maybe come on as a substitute because he hasn't uh, been on the best of form for all season, maybe last season as well. But there's no reason why he can't come on and play very well and then earn a starting squad in in. Start, uh, starting position in later squads. Yeah, of course, John Stones and Luke Shaw making uh, comebacks as well. Luke Shaw has to surely be making that left-back spot his, doesn't he? Considering Ben Chilwell, maybe, but Shaw's been on fire so far this season, hasn't he? And, and Chilwell, I think he's fallen out of favour with uh, Tuchel. I've seen him play Marcus Alonso, a left-back, rather than him, so I don't know whether that's a statement from the manager or what. Yep. Now looking at the forwards now. So if we're playing three in midfield, we have to pick two up front. So out of those brilliant strikers. But before we pick, Joe, Ollie Watkins, surprisingly getting an England call-up. What do you think about that? I was very surprised at it, to be honest. Um, I, I do think he's earned it for, for me personally. But I know a lot of people would argue against that. However, I don't think he'll start. And I'm not sure he'll get a huge amount of game time just yet. Uh, he is quite young and um, he goes through dry spots. I think 
a more likely start would be Calvert Lewin and Kane. Uh, Rashford as well. Rash, uh, uh, Southgate really likes Rashford. But yeah, I don't think Watkins will start. Yeah, of course. What Southgate did talk about Watkins and say he suits his style of play, and Watkins presses really well, which Southgate wants uh, in his strikers. Um, Alex, who would your duo be in this team? Um, I, if you were going for two up front, I'd probably have to go Carvalhoen and Kane as well. Uh, I'd I'd like to see Rashford start up front because I know um, Southgate likes to start him in wide positions, and I think he's more effective for England when he's up front. Um, as well as Sterling hasn't been on that good form this season, and maybe a go up front instead of on the wing could, could do him good. But in terms of strikes, I think uh, we're good with Kane and Carver lewin And I'd like to see Watkins get a, a few tries because I think he's just put him in for the friendlies to see how he does. And then if he does quite well, he'll be there for the Euros. So. Yeah, of course, the under-21 squad that we did mention before, that was for the under-21s Euro Championship Finals. Um, so yeah, very important uh, team for those games. Uh, staying with international news now, and West Ham's Mikel Antonio has pledged his international future to Jamaica. Um, a great signing for them, and he could, like we said last week, attract some more players to Jamaica. Yeah, it's a very good decision for him and for the the country of Jamaica. Um, yeah, well, there's any Jamaicans watching? We yeah, talked we'll about Jamaica if... quite a bit last episode, didn't we? There's quite yeah, a few yeah. going there. Yeah, we'll have to see if. Players such as Max Aaron's Holgate do follow suit and go to Jamaica. We'll have to say. Uh, Actually, so... if this is a highlight, anyone watching slash listening, go back and give that video a watch because it's a very interesting viewpoint into the mind of Jamaican footballers. Yep. It actually did, it did very well on uh, YouTube, 137 views. That video and maybe some others maybe got us 14 subscribers in the last week since last Let's Wednesday, go, which is absolutely mad. That's unheard of, I think. I don't think we've had that much of a gap jump in a long time. We're going to be the uh, next PewDiePie. <laughs> Somebody clip that up. Uh, now, going on to Che Adams, and he gets his first Scotland call-up. Of course, he can play for England. I didn't know he could play for Scotland, uh, but Steve Clark, the Scotland manager, has managed to convince him. Would you say this is a good opportunity to express himself in international football, Alex? Yeah, he's a, he's a very good striker. He's been having one of the seasons of his career at Southampton this season, and I think he's—I don't think he's getting into the England squad. He's maybe getting like one or two call-ups, like Ollie Watkins did, but um, I don't think he's going anywhere with his English career. So a move to Scotland is good on his behalf for his international career and good for Scotland. Yeah, but of course he has been banging the goals in uh, recently and he's on great form. Um, of course, we don't really need to touch on Pickford, Alex, do we? Because we know he's injured, so he won't be in the England squad. How long is it looking until he comes back? Oh, it says a muscle injury, so I think we're looking at about six weeks, which isn't very good for him, but he'll probably be uh, okay for the uh, for the Euros. If he does start, for all we know, Dean Henderson, Pope or Sam Johnston could have a great couple of games. Uh, which we'll come on to. Of course, England are playing next week, so we'll come on to those games. And we didn't ask you which keeper you thought would start. Oh, um, Dean Henderson, he's going to say. I was going to say Henderson or Pope, but I wouldn't be surprised. I think Henderson's not played a great deal, so you could maybe say he's not been a lot consistent. So maybe Nick Pope, because he's a great shot stopper and a great person who can save but the goal. His, but... his distribution isn't as near as good as Henderson and Pickford. Henderson, so. yeah. 
So you could maybe say that it depends what Southgate wants out of his goalkeeper, whether he wants a man who can distribute or just I'll a shot stopper. Did yeah. we just see a United fan ignore bias towards their own team? I think Indeed. we did. That is why you should click that like button and subscribe. <laughs> now, Sweden stuff, no? I don't know why I said that. Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic has come back to the Sweden national squad at the age of 39, five years after he left. Um, would you say that he's doing this because he won't have a lot going on in summer and he wants to just play a bit of Euros football? Yeah, I think he... I think even though he, he still looks to be yeah, a very good footballer, I think he's seen that he's coming near to the end of his career, even though he is one year off 40. Um, so I think he'll just like, have one more year in international football and then step out again and then step out of um, European football. So Yeah, I could really see the drop in the weight of his fitness and performance just a little bit against United. I know, I know he didn't play for a great deal and got on the ball. But he still looks a great threat. And considering he's still 39 and gets into that Sweden squad as a striker is ridiculous. That just shows how much he means to the country. Um, but yeah, that's Zlatan. Fair play to him. Uh, now, going on, some international, uh, going on some manager news, sorry. Manchester United legend Roy Keane apparently wants to become Celtic's next manager. This would make a sensational box office event, as, the, as they've labelled on the post there. Um, Roy Keane's Manchester United supporting Celtic United fans maybe Rangers Liverpool fans supporting Rangers with Steven Gerrard surely that's that must be amazing if that because the rivalry of course surely that would be box office yes I think <laughs> it would add another element of beef I think it could add to um more English involvement in Scottish football because you don't see a lot of um, like almost hype around the Scottish league. People still talk about it, obviously, because of uh, what's happening at the moment, um, of course. But I think it could add another element of English people wanting to watch Scottish football. Alex, could we see a couple of Celtic players coming out of the dressing room with black eyes after half-time? Well, well, you never know. Um, but in terms of where Celtic are as a football club, I think uh, it could be happening. Uh, but I'd definitely like to see Roy Keane go. I think it will just strengthen the um, the relationship between the two clubs. Well, not relationship, the, the hatred between the two clubs. Um, and just add for, for better viewing seeing uh, Roy Keane and Steven Gerrard on the touchline in the Old Fern derby. Yeah, I think uh, the Celtic fans do trust him as well, of course. I, the Irish have a big contingent of Celtic followers and supporters. Um, and, of course, he did play for Celtic himself, so even more why he should maybe go and manage them. Um, of course, they are 18 points behind them in the league. I believe Rangers are invincible at the moment in the league, in the Scottish uh, Premiership. So. Yeah, no. Oh, but, oh like, you mean they, they haven't lost? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've, they've got lost, like four yeah. draws or something ridiculous. It's mad. Yeah. Um. So yeah, credit to them. But this weekend, which we'll get our score predictions for, we'll do it after this. What I've just said now, actually, Celtic confirmed this today on Friday that they're not going to do a guard of honor for Rangers. Now the comments have been going absolutely mad, saying Celtic are disrespectful. Does this this shows how much the rivalry is? But is this overstepping the line? I, I think so because even with the amount that like the hatred between Everton and Liverpool, 
I think we have enough respect to, to give the Premier League champions a guard of honour if they came to our stadium. Um, and I think this just, again, underlines the hatred between the two clubs. Like, it's not even an ounce of respect there. Um, and Rangers, after 10 years, win a, win a Scottish um, Premiership and Celtic don't give them a guard of honour. Yeah, this is unheard of during the last couple of years. Um, I read and watched something the other week about United when Chelsea and them were battling out 2004 season, I think it was, when Mourinho's just came in at Chelsea. And the United really didn't want to give a guard of honour, but they ended up giving one because Fergie knew that this would make United go better the next season. And they ended up winning it the next season. So could we see, would this be a massive loss for Celtic in terms of determination and mentality wise would you say no well, I think if... they're going to spend the time where they should be given a garden of honour um, absolutely fuming about the fact that they could possibly have had to and I think they will bounce back next season and I think we're going to see a very very good um, title race next season were you going to say something Alex I, I just think like if if they don't give the guard of honour and then they do end up losing it again next season, it's just going to make it even more embarrassing. So, Yeah. Um, now going on to the old firm game that is on Sunday, surprisingly, at 12 o'clock, Celtic versus Rangers at Celtic Park. What's our score prediction? I think it's going to be a 1-0 Celtic. Really? You're going to see yeah, an upset? I just, yeah. I just think it's, it seems like that's going to happen. I don't know. What about you, Joe? I'm going to say 2-0 Celtic. I'm going to go 1-0 Rangers. Why not? I think Celtic are going to be fuming and I think they're going to um, come out absolutely roaring. But I don't think it would be unlikely that Rangers would absolutely thrash them and just stick two fingers up. They're like, you're not giving us a guard of honour, we'll give ourselves one. Now, Joe Hart has had to apologise for his social media post after Spurs exited the Europa League. Um, Joe Hart did apologise and is responsible for his controversial job done post following Tottenham's Europa League exit. Alex doing the classic thumbnail. I'm using that. I'm using that for the thumbnail, Alex. Uh, But yeah, it's not very good considering I'll use Joe's as well. (laughs) I'll put them both next to each other. All right, I'll, I'll clip them up. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it's not very good, is it, for Spurs considering he is the second-choice, third-choice goalkeeper? No, I don't think it's, it's anything too major. Like He's obviously just hired someone to post on his Instagram and they've just got somewhere wrong, but I think he's definitely going to sack them uh, when he does speak to them next. Um, but I don't, I don't think anything bad should happen to him because of it. He, he's ultimately not the one in control of what they're doing. Do you think it was an accident or do you reckon it's him going, I want to get out of here? Could be. He could want first team football and maybe Mourinho's a bit controlling, maybe. And look, Maurice. A bit, just a little bit. Just a little <laughs> bit controlling. Mourinho? Nah, never. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we'll, so we'll see if anything happens with Joe Hart transfer-wise, but I, I doubt it in the end. Now, Manchester United uh, have a new sponsor that is TeamViewer, and apparently they'll change the logo too. Um, now, a lot of people online, I know United fans, aren't happy with this. Of course, this will be replacing the Chevrolet logo at the main front of the kit. 
Now, what do we think about it? Because it will be white and it will suit the red a bit more than the Chevrolet gold logo, but would you say it's a downgrade? It just doesn't look very, very slick. I mean, if you change the logo a bit, as, as I've said, um, it might look a bit better, but in terms of that picture right there, it just, I don't know. It just doesn't look very... I'd say modern. It doesn't look modern. Yeah, uh, of course, I think this is a tech uh, technology clo- uh, technology like business. Um, not heard of them ever before. Uh, but I did check their Instagram followers, and I believe they did have about 3,000. Um, so maybe that might get upped by the United fans. But yeah, we'll wait and see about that. Uh, that's just on United. I'm not sure about the changed logo thing, though. I'm, I'm not too... What do you reckon that's all about? Do you reckon they'll... Do you reckon the company themselves will change the logo, or are we talking about United's logo? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, is that like the United emblem, or is that Team Viewer changing their logo to fit in more with the colour scheme and the United vibe? Yeah, I'll have to do some more research and get in uh, and get back. Um, apparently, it's the biggest shirt sponsorship in Premier League history, um, which is quite mad. Um, but yeah, going on to Eden Hazard, and he's of course he's had injuries here and there, and this is the most recent one. The doctor who is looking out for uh, after Eden Hazard, sorry, uh, he said he said a third operation on Eden Hazard's ankle is very risky. There could be the possibility that the player would not play football again. That's quite big, isn't it? Considering that how good how, how how good Hazard's been over these last couple of we- uh, years, and he's had not really hit Real Madrid as everybody expected but this would be a big loss for Real Madrid considering how much money they spent on it I think they're really missing out and I think it's a massive shame that a legend such as Hazard could be leaving our sport forever yeah big loss Alex yeah I mean he definitely didn't hit the heights he was expected to at Real Madrid but he has still got three or four years left in his career and he could have shown something, but because of this, it's just, it's just not gone very well for him since he's moved. Um, he deserved a move because he, he, he did so well for Chelsea. Um, but it's just a bit sad that it hasn't gone well for him and then this happened and then it's all going downhill. Yeah. Now, going on to LeBron James, the basketballer, of course, of the Los Angeles Lakers in the NBA. He has uh, set to become a part owner of Boston Red Sox. And this joins in with Liverpool because uh, FSG, also known as Fenway Sports Group, own Liverpool, of course, have been criticised over the last couple of years. Um, but a lot of um, play, a lot of Liverpool fans I've heard this week, and have said it to me, that they think... Um, this could be a vital uh, deal to get Mbappe to Liverpool. And now we know what Liverpool fans are like, but they did say about uh, the Nike uh, sponsorship that both athletes do have with Mbappe and LeBron James, and they have met up before. So could we see LeBron James maybe pull off an offer here for Liverpool? I think I think he'd try, but he'd try, but I don't think Mbappe wants to go to Liverpool. Yeah, there's a difference between like him trying to get there and then the whole money side of things, and then Mbappe not wanting to play for a team that maybe can't even qualify for the Champions League this season. Uh, Now, score predictions. FA Cup will start off with. Um, Are we adding these to the to the spread? No, we won't because yeah. it's not Premier League, is it? Um, okay. Right, so, so we can we just say who we think is going to win. Yeah, we can do. Right, so quarterfinals will go Alex, Joe, me. So 
First game, Bournemouth versus Southampton. South Coast Derby tomorrow, Saturday at 12.15. Alex. Bournemouth. Joe. Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Now, I'm going to go Southampton because Bournemouth aren't in the Prem. And I know Bournemouth have been quite well, but yeah, I'll go Southampton. Mix it up. Dare to be different. Everton versus Manchester City. Half five Saturday. Alex. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't hear you. What do you say? City. All City. right. City. Alex. Uh, Joe. <laughs> Everton. Woo. Uh, I think City are going to win this one. Yeah, same as you, Alex. Um, Chelsea versus Sheffield United, Sunday at half one. Chelsea. I think Chelsea. Yeah, Chelsea. Uh, Leicester City versus Manchester United, arguably the biggest one, maybe, out of all this of them. This is going to be a throwdown. I think o'clock. United will win it, though. Leicester. Oh, even with the injuries they've got, I think they they they've been like I don't know. I think they'll just pull it off, and then everyone go yeah Leicester, and then they'll lose in the final. Yeah, I think this in the Europa League is where Oli has to get a trophy this season, so it has to be one of them. Could it be the FA Cup? We'll have to see. But yeah, for me, I have to stay with United. Uh, so United's going to get the win. Now going on to the Premier League games. Joe, did you manage to add up the Fredo Spreado predictions? I did indeed. Where are we up to? So, Alex got two points. Last week? Yeah. Dan got one point. Joe (laughs) got six points. (laughs) Obviously, that takes total to 22 points for Joe, five for Dan and five for Alex. How many are you actually on? I'm on four. Four. You guys are both on five. I got one last week. So, me and Alex got the City game right, I think. That was 3-0. And then Alex got the Crystal Palace game, was it? Uh, Let me check. I think it was Palace West. No, Alex got the Southampton Brighton one. I got the Crystal Palace one. I am clever. I went too all. God, Southampton should have scored. Uh, but yeah, so that means going into the next... This is sort of a game week. I know a couple of games in hand are getting played, but there is only four games that are being played this weekend. Now, we'll go in the same order as we did before with the FA Cup, but actually give me your scores for this one. So, Does this you... count as game week um, 29? Uh, sort of, because I know there are a couple of games in hand, so I don't know how you want to do it. Would you like to just add them on anyway and not call it a game week? Do you want to do that? No, this does count as match week 29. Yeah. I'll oh, call right. it match week 29. All right. It's just all the teams not playing, so I was just a bit confused, that's all. Okay. Right. So the first game is today, Friday, 19th of March. Fulham versus Leeds. Eight o'clock. Alex, Craven Cottage. Uh, 1-1. What about you, Joe? I'm going to say 2-1 Leeds. Leeds haven't scored in the last four of the last five games, but I think they will score today. I'm going to go the same as Alex. one all. What should be 2-1 for them? I'm just saying that. one all for me. The next game is on Saturday. The only game on Saturday. Brighton versus Newcastle, 8 o'clock at the Amex. Alex? 
I'm going to go 2-0 to Brighton and Hove Albion. I'm going to go 1-0 to Newcastle. I'm going to go 1-0 to Brighton. Very diverse set of scores there, lads. Sunday, two games. First one is West Ham versus Arsenal. Bit of a London derby for you there. Three o'clock, Alex. Uh, 2-1 to Arsenal. I'm going to say 3-1 Arsenal. Ooh. See, I think West Ham will sit back like they did against United. I'm going to go one all. The next game is Joe's Aston Villa versus Spurs. Half seven, Villa Park. Joe, you can go first on this one. I would love to beat them 3-0 and punish them for sitting back, but I don't think we'll be able to do it. And I do think Spurs will win 2-1 or 1-0. I'm going to go with 2-1 to Spurs. Alex? I'm going to go one all. I don't know because no Grealish. I don't think there's Grealish, is there? Still, still no Grealish. It's a bit of lack, lack of creativity, maybe. He did win against Leeds, though, but yeah, as you said before, Joe, Spurs could sit back. Um, I'm going to go 1-0 Spurs. I'm sorry, but yeah, just 1-0 Spurs. I know it was coming. Next, we'll go on to the England games now. Uh, we, you don't have to give your score count. predictions. No, because literally, uh, we know England are just going to win against all of them anyway, don't we? Yeah, of course. Um, we So, yeah, give us your score predictions, but we won't add them just for the fun. Right, okay, so the first game, this is match day one of the World Cup qualifiers. It is England versus San Marino. Of course, classic match played in recent times. Alex? 5-0 to England. 4-0 England. I reckon... Why don't... Oh, 4-0 England. Why don't they pick teams that might actually represent who they play? Oh, wait, it's a qualifier. Yeah, it's, it's not a friendly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, that game's on Thursday, then the 25th of March, 7.45. The next game is against Albania away. Tough game, Sunday, 5 o'clock, Alex. 3-0 to England. 5-0 England. I reckon... 3-1 England. All right, next game. Probably This is probably actually the biggest, considering Lewandowski. Um, England versus Poland at Wembley, Wednesday the 31st. Lewandowski's all they've March. got, though, really. 7.45. Wojciech Chesney in that as well. Of course, plays for Juve. I, think, I still think we'll win. Lewandowski yeah. will probably score. I'm going to say 3-1. Oh, yeah, 2-1. Joe's gone 3-1, did you say? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go 4 1. No, 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 no. Two. I'll go 2 1. Lewandowski will score. It'll be a fairly close match. Right. So, this has been a very long episode, but we are at the end of the episode. Hope you did enjoy. Um, thanks for the most recent support on the podcasts as well. We're consistently getting the same amount of viewers, which is always good. Thanks for the YouTube as well, subscribers. Can we get to 200 by the end of this year or earlier? That would be amazing. So, please share us around and subscribe but yeah that's a bye from me and me and me thanks for watching slash listening don't forget to like comment and subscribe if this is on youtube and for spotify uh, i don't know really how it works but follow us on spotify too yeah.